Now, this is an extremely exciting topic that we're about to dive into. And every time my voice gets extremely excited, it cracks. So, if my voice cracks, bear with me. And if I try to stop that so I sound kind of like Eeyore, bear with me too. This is really exciting, no matter how I sound today. Okay? And I'm trusting the Spirit of God to use this. Okay. So, anybody still don't have, does not have a sheet? Don't have one? Do we, have an, do we have an extra one? You might just have to write good notes, Colby. Okay. So here's what we're about to do. We're about to head into a study, all of us together, into, a, into a kind of a series here over the next about seven weeks on the Great Commission. We're going to be talking about how to fulfill the Great Commission to make disciples of all the nations. Uh, we're going to look at the big picture of all, how this might making disciples spreads to all the nations of the earth. We're going to get down to the uh, more specifics about what every believer, uh, every believer's responsibility to make disciples. Uh, we're going to get into our corporate responsibility as a church, that we have this mission, we want to make disciples of all the nations, and also your individual, each one of our uh, individual responsibilities to make disciples. Make disciples. <clears throat> the hope is uh, that there would be a lot of clarity uh, I hear it a lot. How do I make disciples? So I hope over the next seven weeks, nobody will be able to say that at the end of this. There will be a lot of clarity on what does it mean to fulfill the Great Commission. And also, man, I hope we are stirred up and provoked. I've been praying for it. That we would be absolutely motivated, provoked to go and, and live out and fulfill the Great Commission. Um, the Great Commission, the, the command from Jesus is in Matthew 28. We'll go there in a minute. But to make disciples of all the nations, it is not to be taken lightly. I hope you know that. Otherwise, we wouldn't be spending seven weeks talking about these things. But it is not to be taken lightly at all. This needs to be a major pillar of your life. Make disciples of all the nations. Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, to this end, I labor. His labors landed. And what was the end of it? He wanted to make disciples of all the nations. It just words it a little bit different there in Colossians 1. Okay? Discipleship is not a program you sign up for. This needs to be like a banner over your life. I mean, just a high banner. This needs to define your life in many ways. It's foundational, making disciples of all the nations. This is foundational for every decision you make in your life. And I hope to prove the, the, the importance of this command as we go through, this, uh, as we go through the Scriptures. Uh, every, uh, every step you take in life should be highly affected by the Great Commission. Okay? And if you neglect the Great Commission, you are neglecting the very basics of walking with Christ, okay? So this is a big deal is what I'm trying to get across to you, and we'll talk about that more in a little while. Um, I want to I invite you guys, you guys that are uh, here every week, I want to invite you guys to enter into studying this with us. In fact, I want to charge you to study this with us. This, this is massive importance, okay? So I, I encourage you to study it with us. Um, I have been praying for us as a church that we would be like those Bereans during that time. You remember those Bereans in Acts 17 who received the word with all readiness. It was not a casual receiving of the word, but they received it with all eagerness. And then they searched the scriptures daily to see if these things were true. So I'm praying for a lot of study on your own, a lot of thinking on your own about how do you apply this into your life, what we're talking about today and for the next few weeks. Um, I've even been praying that there would be a lot of, uh, among Grace Community Church, outside of this meeting time, that there'd be a lot of discussion and sharpening on this particular uh, topic, okay? 
Um, let me say this. I just want to tell you, I mean, because I've been praying for, I want to invite you into praying with me for this over the next few weeks. Okay? I've been praying that if there's anyone here who is unconcerned about the Great Commission, that the Holy Spirit would just wreck you. I mean, just it's, it, maybe it's unconcerned because you just don't know what the Scripture says about it. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit enlightens you to see this. I've been praying for that. Or maybe it's just out of rebellion in some sort of way. And I've been praying for conviction of the Spirit of God among us as a church. So I'd invite you to pray that with us. Or some of you, maybe, maybe you've gone after the Great Commission. You've gone after that in your life and you found discouragement. And you just, maybe you tried and you felt like you didn't bear fruit. Man, I hope you are so encouraged during this time. I say that very, very genuinely. I hope you are so encouraged to press on, persevere, don't grow weary in doing good. In due season, you'll reap if you don't lose heart. And I hope you are greatly encouraged over this next few weeks, okay? And then some of you, uh, maybe who are very, you're highly concerned about the Great Commission and you're doing it. I'm praying that you would be sharpened, that you would be pressed forward even more in this Great Commission. Uh, I, I desire that, okay? So I've been praying. I've been praying for every, all those kinds of people. That's what I've been praying. I want to invite you into that. In fact, if you're on our membership list, if you're a member of this church, and I have this list that I've told you before, I love this list. I love you guys, and I love getting to look at it. I've prayed for every single one of you concerning this matter in particular. It's that important. It's that important to me. Excuse me. So I desire that you would come along, and let's pray together that God would move during uh, these next few weeks. Um, I will remind you of this. This has been an encouragement to me. <clears throat> Some of you will know this because you've been here from the beginnings of this church a little over a year ago. And uh, some of you will not know this. But I want you to remember, you guys that were here, and, and then you can hear this if you weren't here because it should be encouraging to you too. I mean, we had a time where this group of people, okay, the, our eyes were not set on the nations, on the importance, and I can't get into all that today necessarily, but the importance of the nations, of, of, the, of the gospel of Jesus spreading every nation, tribe, and tongue on this earth. And we didn't get it. And one day, and, and over a period of time, the Spirit of God brought conviction on this group. And it wasn't just one or two people. I remember it. I, I was amazed. I remember thanking God, and I'm still thanking God today, that He lifted up our eyes to see this vision of, he, of, of all of history's movement toward every nation and tribe, tribe worshiping Him. And He opened our eyes to that. God did that. And that's awesome. And I encourage you to be thankful about that. And another thing that happened very short time after that is God moved in, and just it's like just a move of His Spirit over these people, uh, over us as a people. I don't know, I can't remember how long ago this was, but just set our eyes on Christ. I remember that. It wasn't one or two people. It was a people that were starting to take secondary things and starting to lift them up higher than they ought to be. And all of a sudden, God just rocked that. And, now, and, and then He set our eyes on Jesus and He became our all in all. And affection started springing out of people's hearts for Jesus. I remember God doing that. And that was awesome. Okay, so what I want to encourage you to pray for is that God would do the same thing over this matter that we're going to be talking about the next few weeks. That God would do that with this, great, this mind toward the Great Commission. Make disciples of all the nations. That that would be on our souls. And the Spirit of God would just move a whole a group of people, every one of us, of Grace Community Church, to be passionate about this, this, what we're about to be talking about. Okay, So pray with me on those sort of things. In fact, let's pray now. Father, thank you that we can get together and we can worship you. We can sing to your holy name. And God, I do thank you for what you've done in the past, God. God, when you, you lifted up our eyes and you took off the veil, 
And You help us to see, God, that You, Christ, are all in all. And I praise You for doing that. And God, I pray You would do it more and more and more that we would see You, Lord Jesus, in all Your glory. And we would be amazed, mesmerized. We couldn't get enough of You, God. I pray You would do that more and more. And God, I ask You in this season of life that You would take every, every person here and You would just bring conviction of our souls, God, and put a passion in us for this mission that You set us on to make disciples. God, I ask You to do that. Do that for Your glory, God. All the hardness of hearts that could be there or all the discouragement, God, I pray that You would move and that You, you would just you would deal with all that in the heart of every single individual here. And God, I pray that You would use us, Lord. God, we can't wait to see You in heaven one day and behold Your glory and worship You in all of eternity, fullness of joy. We can't wait for it, God. And yet, while You have us on this earth, God, I ask You to use us God, You have us here. You have us here, God, and, and You have all wisdom, God. You know the purpose. You know our purposes on this earth. You set them up. And God, I just ask You that You help us as a church and us as every individual in this room to labor for You. Love You, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, okay, I've got to figure out which version of the Bible is, is the most spread over here? Raise your hand if you've got the ESV. I, that's what I figured. Okay, I thought that would be the best. I don't, so I need somebody to come up. Brett, will you come up with your ESV? I want us to, we're going to stand up and read Matthew 28. So turn to Matthew 28. And we're going to stand up and we're going to read this together, okay? This is like, a, uh, like we're binding arms together for the great commission of God, okay? So I just want to read this together. I'll kind of lead us out in it. And... Uh, and read it with me, okay? We're reading this together. Sorry, this is a happy moment for me. <laughs> Matthew 28. Let's see. We're going to start in verse 18, okay? I'll try to do a pace where we can all read with me. We're in this together, right? So this is why we're doing this. Here we go. Verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You can sit down. And I meant to tell you that didn't have the ESP to look home somebody. I hope you did that. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I didn't have it either. Okay. So, the Great Commission here, okay, this, if you're looking at that sheet, you should be on the side that says Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I want to talk to you about this. Let me turn there. Matthew 28, okay, so let's start here. We're going to talk about the command. Now, if you see it on your sheet, on your sheet it says, the command, make disciples. Make disciples. And the thing that should be happening in your mind is you say, what do you mean the command? Aren't there many commands in the Great Commission? Doesn't it say go? Therefore, make disciples, baptizing them. Verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all things I commanded you. Aren't there many commands in the Great Commission? That's what should pop in your mind. And here's what I want to tell you. There are not many commands. There is one command. If you get into a little, very quickly, a little Greek grammar here, okay? The imperative, the only command, the only imperative uh, verb right there is make disciples. Just know that. Go or going 
and baptizing and teaching, those are called participles. And what they do is they modify this main imperative, this command. They modify it. Okay, so in other words, when you read Matthew 28, you're supposed to walk away with, I need to make disciples. And then these other participles show you how to do that. Going, baptizing, and teaching. Okay, so, so go with me on that, okay? When you read this passage, you're not supposed to just walk away going, go to the nations. If you did, you missed it. It's make disciples. That's the thump in this verse, okay? Make disciples. Now, why am I telling you this? Because I don't want you to miss the point. Over and over again, I've seen it. I've seen it when I was in college. I've seen it throughout my life that people read this. They, they think about the Great Commission and they miss the point. The point is make disciples of all the nations. Make disciples. I'll tell you a quick story. And the Wright brothers, <clears throat> the early 1900s, built the first plane, flew it. Um, their dad my understanding was was some sort of prominent minister and he he did not think it would go down okay he didn't believe they'd be able to get a plane off the ground what happened okay so they write this telegram back to their dad and and what it says is like uh hey we got this plane we, we got it up in the air for 50 something seconds it was going 30 something miles an hour you know it's like it was all the details of it and it's exciting so this prominent minister gets his telegram and he's excited and then at the bottom of the telegram it says uh you know p.s uh we'll be home for christmas Okay, so this prominent minister, he gets it and he takes it. And he's excited that this plane, they flew, they flew a plane. It's never happened before. Okay, and they're excited. And he takes it to the person that would put it into the newspaper. And he says, can you get this printed tomorrow? And he said, um, yes, I can do that for you. And so he got it. He gave him the piece of paper and uh, whatever he had. And then the next morning he wakes up and he looks in the newspaper and it says, sons of a prominent minister are coming home for Christmas. <laughs> he missed the point. You see what I'm saying? Don't miss the point of this verse. You get where I'm coming from? There's a point here. Make disciples and you don't need to miss it. People miss it over and over again. It's easy to do. Now, don't miss the simplicity of this command. He's telling you to make something. Make what? Disciples, right? Turn people into disciples is the idea. Now, don't stone me when I say this. The command is not... In this commandment, it's not preach the gospel, although that is vitally important. Okay, but that's the action. The command is make disciples, not just an action, but here's a product. Make disciples is what he's saying, not just preach the gospel. He also does the command is not just teach the Bible, although you must do that. And it is vitally important. The commands make disciples. The command is not just give your life up or share your life with someone. Although that is vitally important, the command is make disciples. Your, your gospel preaching, Bible teaching, giving of your life and bringing people into your life, you need that to be, there needs to be a goal here, an end, and it's make disciples. This is the idea. Okay, too often I see people get satisfied with actions that they're doing. Okay, they're just doing the actions. And praise God, you must preach the gospel. You must teach the Bible. You must give your life away. And praise God for those actions. But I see too many people getting satisfied with those actions and losing sight of the end goal, make disciples. Dawson Trotman said it like this. He said, action is no substitute for production. Action is no substitute for producing disciples. <clears throat> now, some people might say this. That's not fair. He said, that's just... That's not fair. It says make disciples right here in verse 19. And, and that's not fair because I can't change their heart. I can give them the gospel, but I can't change their heart. I can't make them believe. 
Or if they believe, I, I, I can teach them the Bible, but I can't make them grow. And I would say, welcome to the commands of God. He gives you commands. He gives you things to do that, that it can only be done if He works through you to do it. It's the only way. And so I encourage you, let, the, let this thought that make disciples is what you want, and that's the command. Let it lead you to pray that God would do that. And as you preach the gospel, and as you teach the Bible, and as you give your life, that you would pray and call out to God for help, that He would do this thing. Let it cause you to trust Him. You step out in faith and go to make disciples and trust Him. Let it cause you to take action. Now let me give a warning right here. You will be tempted, as will I, you will be tempted to do a thousand things in this world. Even Christian things. You will be tempted to do a thousand Christian things in this world and neglect and make disciples. You will be tempted to do that. Let me give you a quote from David Platt. This is what he said. The command has been compromised. He's talking about the command to make disciples. The command has been compromised. This is the dangerous reality, he says. We are tempted to do everything except the one thing Jesus told us to do in the Great Commission. And what do I mean by that? Well, Jesus never told us to start Sunday schools. Jesus never told us to form classes. Jesus never told us to create programs. He never once came up with a new innovative program. He never told us to construct church buildings. In fact, he ransacked the one they had at one point. He never told us to build colleges, universities, seminaries. He told us to organize. He never told us to organize conventions or hold conferences. He never sent a five-color brochure advertising that he was coming to town. We do all of these things, and Jesus never told us to do one of them. Now, what's he saying? Is he anti all the stuff I just mentioned? No, and neither am I. So the point is not be anti all this stuff. The point is there's a way you can go throughout your life. And you can do many things that look Christian, okay? They're Christian things, and yet miss this point. Make disciples of all the nations in Matthew 28, 19. This great commission. I hope to show you in a minute why this command is so vastly important. Okay? Let me give you a little ending. A little bit later, David Platt said this. I'm convinced that I could pastor. Now hear this. He's convinced he could pastor for 20, 30 years and never intentionally make disciples. I'm convinced that any one of us could serve in another country as a missionary and never intentionally make disciples because we will always be tempted to do everything except the one thing Jesus has told us to do here. Okay, so the command is make disciples. Let that sit on you. Praise God. Praise God that you have, I'll get into it later, but you have a God who has all the authority and he promised to be with you. I'm jumping ahead of myself, but he promised to be with you and he's given you this command to make disciples of all the nations. Okay, now here's what we're going to do. With that command, make disciples, we're going to look at the five investigative W's. Who, what, when, where, and why. Okay, first question. Who should make disciples? You. Us. Each one of us. Every disciple of Jesus has a responsibility to be a disciple maker. I can see it in the Great Commission. Let me show it to you in the Great Commission, okay? I want you to hear this. There's actually a brother. It's a good brother of mine. that's even here today. This is where he got convinced. that he, It was his responsibility to make disciples. Okay. So where do you see it in the Great Commission that every disciple, your disciple if you're a Christian, every disciple has responsibility to make disciples. Where do we see that? And I want you to look at verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Make disciples. And here's the participle that describes how to do that. It's one of them. Teaching them 
to obey the commandments of Jesus. Teach them to observe the things he commanded. Okay, let me say that another way. What's one thing that he just commanded? Make disciples. So make disciples, teaching them to obey Jesus, including his command to make disciples. Make disciples, teaching them to obey the command to make disciples among the other commands. If that happens, then the next generation does what? They make disciples in obedience to Jesus. And they teach them to do what? All the things that Jesus commanded, which includes make disciples. And it goes on and on and on. Every disciple making disciples. The command to make disciples is not just for the twelve. Look at verse 20 again. Verse 20, he says, Lo, I am with you always. Or behold, I'm with you always for how long? Even to the end of the age. The twelve have not made it that long. They're with the Lord. So he says, make disciples and I'll be with you always to the ends of the age. It's not just for the twelve. It's for us to make disciples. The The responsibility to make disciples is not for some imaginary elite group of Christians. They do not exist. Every believer in Christ has been supplied with the Spirit of God to go make disciples of all the nations. Disciple making is not just for church leadership. Disciple making is not just for church leadership. Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12 says that leadership of a church is for what? Equipping saints for the work of the ministry. It's not... Leaders of a church, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, are there to be the minister while everybody else watches. It says they're, they're there to equip saints for the work of the ministry. It's not just for church leadership. It's for every believer. Disciple making cannot be pushed off to a program. You can't do that. This, this discipleship, uh, disciple making or discipleship program. Praise God if programs help us make disciples. But you cannot push it off to that. And, and to... I want to give you a quote from Herb Hodges because I really like it. Here's a quote from Herb Hodges. He said, Disciple making is done by someone, not something. It is done by persons, not programs, by men and women, not materials. Okay? This can't be pushed off on a program. Now, this idea of every believer with a responsibility to make disciples is in stark contrast, right, to the way that our culture thinks about the church today. Well, the paid ministers do the ministry and everybody else shows up and gets fed right okay the idea here is every disciple making disciples this is a commission for you this is a command for you and to do this this is something you're going to have to do you've got to change the way you think about yourself okay you've got to change the way you think about yourself you cannot just see yourself as a learner you need to see yourself as a learner and a teacher now don't get me wrong in the scriptures, it's clear that there are gifts of teaching given to that the Holy Spirit distributes to different people within the body for the edification of the whole church. And that doesn't mean everybody has a gift of teaching. And there's different positions of leadership positions or, or public teaching ministries. It doesn't mean everybody gets into that. But to some degree, every believer is called to make disciples. And part of the way you do that is this participle I said, teaching them to obey all things that I commanded you. So you have to think differently about yourself. You're not just a learner, you're a teacher. That'll change the way you take these things in. It'll change it. You'll take it in, you'll receive it like the Bereans, search the scriptures today to see if it's true, and be ready to output it if it's, if it's good. You're not just to be fed, you're to be a feeder. You're to feed others. You're not, just, you're not to just receive, but you're to give. Okay? And you're not just a disciple, you're a disciple maker. You have to change the way you think about yourself.
Okay, second question. What is a disciple? What is a disciple? If we're commanded to make disciples of all the nations, we're commanded to make disciples, we better be pretty clear on what a disciple is, correct? Everybody agree with that? We need to be pretty clear on what a disciple is. Okay. In one sense, a disciple is a Christian. Acts 11.26. Acts 11.26. The disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. In one sense, it's a Christian. So make disciples. Grace Community Church, make Christians, make disciples. In another sense, the word that's used here, it doesn't say make Christians, it says make disciples. That word disciple has meaning. It has meaning. What does the word mean? It means a learner, a pupil, a student of Jesus. So, so go do that. Go in all the world and make learners of Jesus. Make pupil, pupils and students of Jesus. This word disciple is used to describe followers of Jesus more than 250 times in the New Testament. That's more than saint. That's more than believer. That's more than Christian. Christians used three times. What that should make you think is that Christians are called to be disciples, learners, learners of Christ. And this lines up with John 8.31. Listen to John 8.31. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And that's what we're called to make. Make that. Go make, go make disciples who abide in the word of Jesus. Go make that. John MacArthur called disciples. He said it's a learning believer. Go make that. Go make learning believers. Herb Hodges said it's one who sits under the influence of one who's more advanced to drain from him all his expertise. Go make that. Go do that for the glory of God. Okay, so what, so what is a disciple? You got a picture. I'm just giving you a dim picture here of what we're out to do. We're here to make disciples. Okay, we want to go after that as a church. You need to go about that, as, about that as an individual. Now, let me give you one more little piece of clarity on making disciples, okay, on what is a disciple. The 12, when they received the command, the 12 received the command to make disciples, they would have known very clearly what a disciple is, correct? Because they just spent three years being a disciple of Jesus. They just spent three years and Jesus brought them into, their, into his life. And Jesus taught them the word of God. You can read a summary about that in John 17 where it just goes through. He says, I've, these men whom you've given me, Jesus says, these men whom you've given me, I've given them your word and I pray for them. All right there summarized in John 17. So they just experienced that for three years. So when they hear make disciples, what pops in their mind? Go reproduce in other people what I, what I poured into your life. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. It would have been very clear for them. Disciple making is not an event. It's not a program. This is a lifelong pursuit that we are all going after. Okay? And I'm calling you into it. All right. Third question. When should we make disciples? When? Right now, tomorrow, the next day. This is a lifelong pursuit. You are to always be in the process of learning the word of God, worshiping Jesus and growing into his likeness. And therefore, you're always in the process of teaching what you learn. Now, I don't mean everywhere you go, you're teaching. I just mean everywhere your, your mindset, your, uh, your aim in life is teaching what you learn, drawing people in to worship Jesus and to grow in Christ likeness. Okay, your whole aim of your life, not that you're doing Bible studies everywhere you go. I just mean that your life is leaned into this. This is the banner over your life. 
Make disciples. When should you do it? Okay. Now, what does he say in the Great Commission? He says, make disciples. And then Jesus says this in verse 20. I will be with you always. So how often will Jesus be with you to help you make disciples? Always. How often will he be with you to empower you to make disciples? Always, right? So how often should you lean your life in on this? Just lean in on this. That This is, this is a mission. Make this the mission of your life. I want to make disciples until I see my Savior face to face. I'm going to go after that. <clears throat> now, let me ask you this. The question is, when should you make disciples? And I've given you my idea that you lean your whole life in on this, okay? Now, I want to ask you this. What, what's hold, if, you, if, you, if you think, when should I make disciples, what's holding you back? Okay? So go ahead and think about it in your mind now. What's, if something's holding you back, what's holding you back? What comes to your mind about what holds you back on this? And let me see if I can pluck a few things out of brains, okay? One thing that somebody might say, I don't know enough yet. I don't know enough yet. I'm not ready. I don't know enough yet. And let me say this. I praise God for your soberness as it relates to sound teaching or sound doctrine. The scripture is clear. First, first Timothy 4.16 says, watch out what you teach. It says, watch out. Take heed to what you teach. So I praise God for your soberness in that, your sobriety. But here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Don't let that paralyze you. It should not paralyze you. But instead, devote your life to a lifelong pursuit of learning the word of God and passing on those things which I learned. A little encouragement for you to think you're just not ready yet, okay? If you don't feel like you're ready, get ready. You must do this. Make disciples. Get ready. And then on top of that, let me tell you this. If you know the gospel of Jesus and you love it, you can help so many people. You know that? If you love the Je you're never going to get to a point where you go, uh, okay, I've done all my learning now. Now I'm ready to teach. Okay? That's not going to happen. But if you know the gospel of Jesus, and I'm not telling you to, just, to, just to get stagnant in your learning, but if you know the gospel of Jesus and you love it, I mean, you, you understand it, you can articulate it to somebody, you can show it to them in the scriptures, if, if you can help somebody. If you have a time every day where you meet with Jesus like Mary, sitting at his feet, listening to his word, and you're, you're on your face, Matthew 6, 6, in a secret place, crying out to your Father in heaven, you just have a daily experience of that, a daily experience in the Word of God where you're reading God's Word saying, feed me, O God. Teach me, Holy Spirit. If you have that every day, you can help so many people. So many people, you can help them grow. Okay? Make disciples. What's another thing that could be holding people back? Let me grab some out of the mind. You say, I'm just in a busy season of life. I'm just in a busy season of life. Let me say this. This is on the front end. Okay, I'm going to say something on the back end, so I don't think I'm being insensitive here. Okay? On the front end, I'll say this. Too many people are busy with things that you ought not to be busy with. And it might even be Christian things. You are too busy to, to obey this command, and you are too busy. Okay? You get what I'm saying? Some, too many of us are too, too consumed by things that are not eternal. And I encourage you, test yourself. Is the love of money keeping you from... Making disciples of all the nations. Is the love of success or the love of this world, are there things like that that's keeping you from being productive and making disciples? Test your soul on that. Okay? Now let me say something. This is the sensitive side. I understand that sometimes we go through things outside of our control, seasons of life that are extremely busy, and things seem very, very overwhelming. And let me encourage you with something. 
Please, here's what messes people that are in a very busy time of life and overwhelmed. Here's what messes them up. They look across the way and they see so-and-so making disciples and think, I got to do it just like them. Don't do that. Don't look at other people and think, you got to do it like them. Okay? People are in different seasons of life. People are at different levels of maturity. That don't look at somebody and think, I got to do it just like they're doing it. And if I'm not doing it, then I'm, in, then I'm not doing the right thing or I'm insufficient. Here's what, I, here's what I'm telling you. Don't do that, but... You've got to figure something out. Nobody gets to vacate. This is not a suggestion. Nobody calls it the great suggestion. They call it the great commandment. You must, I mean, excuse me, the great commission. You must go after this. You have to. You, you've got to figure out a way. Okay? You, you, you jiving with me on that? Okay. Here's something, you know, I just, I'm about to move on, but the enemy will want to stop this. You know that, right? Revelation 12, 17 says, this is what it says. Those who uh, want to keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. Is that you? You want to keep this commandment and have the testimony of Jesus? If that's you, it says the enemy is enraged with you and he goes to make war against you. So he'll go after this and he'll try to stop it. You need to know that. Okay. Next question. Where should we make disciples? Here. Everywhere. Make disciples here and everywhere. What does the verse say? Matthew 20, we're staying right here in this great commission, right? It says, go therefore and make disciples of what? All the nations. And this nation is a part of all nations. Make disciples here. When the first disciples received this command to make disciples of all the nations, and you read Acts, where did they begin their work? Right where their feet were standing. In Jerusalem, they began to preach the gospel, make disciples in Jerusalem, right where their feet were planted. Okay? Now, I want us to do the same. We make disciples here because what happened in Acts? They made disciples and it spread to the ends of the earth. And I desire that we would do the same thing here, that we would devote ourselves in a, a move of the Spirit of God to move our hearts, to soften our hearts, to make disciples and ask God that He would make it spread to the ends of the earth. That's what we're asking for. Now, that being said, should we give special attention to the unreached nations of the world? Absolutely, yes. Paul did. Romans 15, 20. He wanted to go preach the gospel where Christ was not named. Okay? So should we give special attention to the unreached places of the world? Yes, we should, according to Romans 15, 20. Now, think about this. What does it look like, though? What does it look like for you to, to reach the unreached nations of the world? What does it look like? Should we all pick up and move over there? No. It's obviously not right. Here's one way it looks. If you read Acts 13, the Holy Spirit called out Paul and Barnabas. He called them to a work in Acts 13, 1 through 3. And then the church got in behind them and affirmed that calling and sent them out. I pray we get a whole bunch of that. So that's one way. But let me give you another way that might encourage you. How can you reach the unreached nations of the earth? And, here, and here's what I want to tell you, okay? You can do it by making disciples right where your feet are planted. Paul discipled a man named what? Timothy, right? And listen to what Paul says about Timothy in 1 Corinthians 4, 17. Just try to catch what I'm saying here. I have sent Timothy to you, Corinthians. Paul's not in Corinth, but, he but he write, he's writing him a letter. He says, I sent Timothy to you, Corinthians, who is my beloved, Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere and in every church. That's awesome. He makes a disciple, and Paul's not in Corinth, and yet his impact is in Corinth. Why? Because the guy he discipled, Timothy, is there. 
And he, he can teach all things Paul can teach, everywhere and every place. Let me give you another example. There was a man named Dawson Trotman in the 1950s who was a disciple maker. I don't think he ever went to North Korea. Could be wrong, but I don't think he ever stepped foot on North, in North Korea. But here's something that you need to know. In the 1950s, he died. Okay, so he's, he's gone to be with the Lord. He discipled a man who discipled a man who discipled a man that I met named Ken, who discipled a man who I met named Randy, who discipled a man named Wes Brewer who's sitting in North Korea or South Korea now. He's in North Korea doing mission work. Isn't that a good picture? How you can make disciples where your feet are planted? We should have a great concern. We should lift up our eyes and make disciples of all the nations. But what I'm telling you is you need to make disciples where your feet are planted as well. Okay, last question. Why should we make disciples? disciples. Now we're going to talk more about this in the coming weeks. So I'm not going to spend much time here. So I'm going to say this real quick. This is just because I couldn't skip the question. Okay. Why should we make disciples? I'll give you three quick answers. One is because Jesus, the ruler of all said so. Matthew 28, 18 says all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore make disciples. If he says all authority has been given to me, whatever comes next, you want to obey that. Okay. It's not a joke. Number two, because we love Jesus. We love him, okay? He, Jesus laid down his life for us. He rose from the dead, ascended on high, and he sits as king of kings and lord of lords, and he's worthy of worship all over all of this earth. Every single nook and cranny on this earth, he's worthy of worship. And therefore, we gladly, we gladly, gladly preach the gospel and give our lives and teach the Bible and make disciples and ask God that the end goal would be disciples made in every nation and tribe and tongue on this earth. Third reason, because we love people. We love people. And we know that their ultimate joy is only going to be found as a disciple of Jesus. And so we gladly aim to make people disciples of Jesus for their ultimate joy. Okay, moving on from the questions. The vision. You must catch this vision. You've got to, it's got to grip you, okay? This vision's got to grip you, and here's what I mean. I'm, the vision I'm trying to set in front of you of disciple making is disciple making that reaches, it spreads. And what I mean by spreads is you make disciple, he's raised up, he can make more disciples, you go on to another, make disciple, he's raised up, make more disciples, and that just keeps going like a tree you know like branches out you know and it keeps spreading that's what i mean i'm going to set a vision in front of you which is disciple making that spreads to the ends of the earth and where do i get that in the scriptures verse 19 make disciples of all the nations he says make disciples and he lifts your eyes up he said look up Catch the vision. See where we're headed here. All of history has been moving toward this. Every nation, tribe, and tongue worshiping Jesus. Make disciples of all the nations. Catch that vision. Disciple making that spreads to all the nations. And the second one is disciple making that spreads throughout all generations to the end of time. To the end of time. Now, where am I getting that from? Verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always till when? Even to the end of the age. Make disciples and spreads even to the end of the age. You must catch this vision. How do you know if you've caught it? You're passionate about it. You bypass temporal things of this earth because you want to be on this mission and you want to give uh, effort towards making disciples of all the nations. That's when you know it's gripped you. 
You've got to catch this vision and you've got to be able to take this vision and impart it to somebody else so that that next generation takes it and they go with it for the glory of God among the nations. Don't have a vision too small and don't pray too small. Pray like this. God, allow me to make disciples that reach the ends of the earth for your glory. That, that reaches to the end of time for your glory. Do it, God. Pray huge. You've got a God that can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or even think, according to Ephesians chapter 3. Now, let's answer the question quickly. How can disciple making spread to the ends of the earth and, and to the end of time? How can that go down? What am I talking about? Okay. And I want to help you get this vision. I've heard it called before the multiplication principle. The multiplication means not just addition, not just like uh, preach the gospel, win a soul, and I, I, I add people to the kingdom of God. They never get raised up in maturity where they can, they can do that as well, but I just add to it. That's addition. We're talking about multiplication where you lead somebody to Christ, you help them become mature so that they can lead somebody to Christ. And what happens, you got one and then somebody you disciple. It's just a picture. They don't have to look exactly this way. But one is somebody you disciple. He's raised up. Now he can go to somebody else. You can go to somebody else. Now you got four of y'all. Okay? And then they're all raised up. And now you, you each go get another one. Now you've got eight of y'all. And that keeps happening. 16. 30. It's multiplication is what we're talking about here. Okay? Now, what if you spent your life doing what Jesus did? You have your ministry to the multitudes. Jesus, the multitudes would come and he would just... Give them the gospel of the kingdom. And you have that, okay? I don't know where you have, maybe it's in your job, it's in your school, it's at the, I don't know, bank, uh, mall, wherever it's at. You just, you don't know these people. It's like Paul in Acts 17, 17. Paul would go into the marketplaces and it said he would reason with whoever happened to be there. He just giving the gospel to whoever happened to be there in Acts 17, 17. So you have your mission to the multitudes, but what if you lived your life like Jesus and you pulled, think about Jesus' disciple making and you pulled, he pulled these 12 men in close and he built into their lives. What if you did that? What if you had your ministry of the multitudes and you had these, those that you pulled in a little bit tighter and you gave them your life and you taught the Bible? What would happen? It would start slow, right? But then it would multiply. And I want you to know that, that is very, that's a very powerful thing. Here's why I say it's powerful. I'm going to use uh, number stuff first, okay? <clears throat> Here's, why, here's a thought about why this might be powerful. Okay. A guy wins a thousand souls to the Lord every year. Thousand souls won to Christ every single year. He brings a thousand people into the kingdom every year. Okay. He does it for 25 years. And he has 25,000 people, right? Now, he didn't help them get out. He didn't help them uh, mature so they could do the same thing. They just flatlined, Okay. They don't reproduce, but he brought them into the kingdom. A thousand every year, 25,000, okay? Now, what about that multiplication principle gets lived out for 25 years? Year number one, I make a disciple, get him, he comes to maturity, he can start making another, year number two, he starts making another disciple, and I'll pick up another one. We're on year two, it's only four of us. The other guy had 2,000 at this time. Next year, another year goes by, they're ready. Eight, if you keep that going out to 25 years, here's the number you have. It's not 25,000, it's 16,777,216. Some of you have your calculators out. Don't do that yet. Wait till later. Okay? Now, those are just numbers, okay? There's lots of variables, you know. So it's just numbers just to get you to think a little bit about 
multiplying yourself, making disciples. Okay, but think about Jesus' life. He poured his life into 12 men. I mean, he poured his life into them, okay? And by, by the time he ascended on high, he left a very small following. It was not a huge, huge following, especially by the world's standards. And yet, you go 17 in the same generation, 17 chapters later in Acts, and it says they turn the world upside down. You have that vision. You have, have you gotten that? Now, think about this. You've got the greatest message ever, and you want to get it to the most amount of people ever. As, as many people as you can. You've got, you got the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you want to spread it out. How can you do that? I'm telling you to mirror Jesus' ministry. Have, just mirror it. Have your ministry. Read John 17. He had his ministry to the multitudes. Praise God. Preach the gospel wherever you can. But, ha, but be like Christ and pull in some people. And make disciples. Help them come to maturity. This is what Paul did. As I said, he went to the marketplaces like the multitudes. He went to the synagogues, people he didn't know. And he was reasoning with them from the scriptures. Acts 17, 1 through 3. Acts 17, 17. But then also you see Paul pulling some people aside. 2 Timothy 2, 2 with a vision in mind. 2 Timothy 2, 2. He's got this man that he disciple named Timothy. And Paul says, Timothy, the things that you've heard from me, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You see the vision he had? Okay. By the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, this kind of ministry, broadcasting the gospel, making disciples, can spread to all the nations of the earth and to the end of time. Catch the vision, enlarge your vision, enlarge your prayer. Okay, how do you do it? So here's what we've established. We've established that we are commanded, every believer in here, to make disciples we've seen that we need to lift up our eyes and there's this vision here, make disciples that spreads to the, pray that it spreads to the ends of the earth and to the end of time. Now, how do you do it? And this is the how-to. How do you do it? Now, there is no lack of worldly wisdom on how to do this. So as you dig in other places and you look at other things about it, we think about it over the next coming weeks, you just know there's no lack of worldly wisdom on how to do this. I'm going to try to keep it really simple by looking at those participles in the Great Commission, okay? Make disciples, and the participles are what? Going, baptizing, and teaching. They modify. They tell us how to do the command. They tell us how to make disciples. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to try to keep it simple, as I said. Um, but you need to know that these are, these are things that you've got to pray. You've got to spend time praying and thinking about how to get them into your life. It doesn't look exactly the same for everyone. How do you get these things into your life? First participle, Go. It's, it can be translated as you're going. Not necessarily command. It modifies the, the command to make disciples. As you're going, make disciples. The idea, as I said earlier, lean your life into this. As you go throughout your life, you're going to go. You're going to leave here and go. And you're going to go somewhere else. Don't wait till you go somewhere, as in wait till you go to another nation. You're going now. And as you're going, some versions translate it, having gone. Therefore, make disciples. So as you go throughout your life, lean in your life on this idea. It is this, this, this uh, word go or going, it assumes that it just assumes you're a goer. It, seems, it assumes you're in the battle, that you're active, that you're putting yourself around the lost world with an aim to win lost souls. That you're putting yourself around young believers with an aim to train them to maturity so that they can go and, and spread the gospel as well. Okay, go. Second one. Baptizing. Go through this quick. Baptizing. Now, raise your hand if you think this means we need to sneak up on people and dunk them. 
I thought he was going to raise his hand. He didn't give it to me. Oh, you need to talk to him, guys. <laughs> okay, raise your hand if you think you need to go everywhere just teaching about baptism just to, just to get them baptized. Okay, here's what I'm telling here's, here's what we're There's something implied here. There's something assumed here. What's implied? What's assumed? Well, the scripture is clear that the people who are baptized are those who have heard the gospel of Jesus and been converted and then they're baptized. Okay? So what does that mean we need to do? We need to preach the gospel. We need to preach the gospel with an aim to convert lost souls. Like Paul said, I became all things to all men that I might save some. We need to preach the gospel to win lost souls and then walk them if, if, when they're converted. When they come to Christ, walk them into the obedience of baptism and the fellowship of the church. These are things assumed here in baptizing them. Okay, you see this in Acts chapter 2, right? Remember Acts chapter 2? Peter proclaims the gospel, and then what happens? Acts 2, I think it's verse 42, says, Those who gladly received the word were baptized. And that day, <clears throat> excuse me, that day they were, 3,000 were added to the, they were added to the church, were added to, the, to them, excuse me. So you've got this idea that the gospel is proclaimed in Acts 2. This is what we see we need to do. We need to proclaim the gospel. And when people are converted, walk them into the obedience of baptism. Um, I want you to think. You need to spend time thinking, okay? Really, really. If you've never thought of this, okay? Just know you need to think how to get this to your life. Spend time thinking, mulling over it. How do you get the gospel out in your life, in your job, in your school, or maybe you have a marketplace somewhere that you go to, but how do you get the gospel out in your life? How are you going to do that? And then with an aim to win souls and to lead them to the obedience of baptism. How do you do that? Okay, teaching. The third one, teaching. So you've shared the gospel with someone and you led them to Jesus, okay? Or, or you, just, you just met someone who's a younger believer and you think you might can help them grow. Either way. You just led somebody to Christ or you think you can help them grow. What do you do next? What do you do next? This is profound. Teaching them. Teaching them to obey all things he commanded. It's right there in verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. You must teach the Bible. You can't skip this. Okay? There's all kind of ideas, like I said, of worldly wisdom in our culture. And some of that worldly wisdom looks like, man, just, just be friends with them. We'll teach the Bible. Or then on the other side, it might be, hey, man, you're teaching a, something. You're, you're teaching a, this group. Like, you're automatically making disciples or something. There's just all kinds of worldly wisdom. And while we're here, let me say this real quick while we're here. There's something happening that I see, I see around us in our culture that wants to pit two things against each other. Those who preach the gospel or those who make relationships. Why? Why do that? Why separate those two? Why not be there with an aim to preach the gospel and make Christ known? And yes, make relationships too. Okay, let me just throw that out there quickly. This says we must teach. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Now, when I say teaching, I'm talking about teaching them to walk with God. I'm not talking about cute little Bible studies. And a lot of you know what I mean by that. I'm talking about teaching that leads to observe or obey all these things that I've commanded Teaching that leads them to walk with God. Teaching that leads them to obedience. And teaching that leads them to know how to teach others and make disciples. It has an aim here. By cute little Bible study, I mean we just sit through a Bible study, go through it. We feel good about ourselves for doing a Bible study. That's what I mean. 
I'm saying teaching with an aim, okay? Teach them to obey all things I've commanded them. Um, you see this also in Acts 2. I'll say this quickly. Acts 2, again, Acts 2, Gospels preached by Peter. Those who gladly received the word, they were baptized. They were brought into the church. And then what you see next is they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. That's the apostles winning souls and then teaching the word of God, man. And they just devoted themselves. So, so you got teaching going down. Just over talking about teaching. And what happened a few chapters later, just a little bit of time later, listen to Acts 6, 7. Acts 6, 7 says, Then the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Okay. So, you, so you're going, you're active in your life. You're putting yourself in places where you're around lost people to win souls and around young believers to build them up. You're there. Uh, you're preaching the gospel, uh, teaching the Bible. You're, you're, what else? What else needs to happen here? And that's the next thing on your sheet. Intentional and purpose-driven life on life. Give your life. Why do I say intentional? Why do I say intentional life on life? Because it doesn't just happen. It never just happens out of the blue normally. I say never. Normally it doesn't just happen out of the blue. You need to be intentional about giving somebody your life and bringing them into your life as you seek to disciple them. Purpose driven. What I mean by that is it's not just, it's not just, just hanging out. Now don't get me wrong. I don't mean you won't sit around and eat a steak with somebody you might be giving, you know, helping grow in the Lord. I don't mean that. But what I mean is the overall character of your relationship is driven by a purpose. You both sit under Jesus, whom is wor- who is worthy of all worship, and you sit under this, this commandment, this great commission to go and make disciples of all the nations with a promise that it will, it will be with you and help you. You both are there, so it's, it's disciple-making. On a, it's, on a, it's got a purpose. It's driven, okay? You can see this in the, in the great commission right here in Matthew 28. It says, teach it, okay, life on life, life on life. That's what I'm talking about. You can see it in the great commission where? Teaching them to observe all things I've commanded. Why why are you saying that verse again? (laughs) Here's what I mean. You're teaching them in such a way that you you can know, are they understanding what I'm teaching them? From way out here, hundreds and hundreds of people teaching, I don't know. You you might not know if you're teaching hundreds and hundreds of people. So what I'm saying is life on life in this command has to happen. Life on life. Why? Because you're teaching them to obey. And if if you're not close enough to another life, you don't know if they understand it. You don't know if they understand it. You don't know if they're obeying it, okay? You can also see this in Paul's life as he went to obey the Great Commission. 1 Thessalonians 2.8, Paul said this. He's talking about the Thessalonians. He says, affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God. Listen to it. He did impart the gospel of God, but not only the gospel of God, but what? Even our own lives. Life on life. Give, it, give that to those whom you wish to disciple. Or Paul with Timothy. Paul discipled Timothy, and in Philippians 2.22, this is what it said. Paul says this about Timothy. He says, you know his faithful character, his proven character. That is a father with a son. He served with me in the gospel. He was with Paul, serving with him. This is bringing them into your life. So do you want to disciple someone? Give your life for them. Bring them into your life. Bring them into your home. Cook for them. Maybe, some of you. Bring them, in, bring them into your prayer life. Bring them into your prayer life. Bring them in and labor side by side with them for the faith of the gospel. Philippians 1.27. Do that. Now, the example, okay, last thing I want to give you this on this how-to. I just want you to think about the example of Jesus. 
I wish we had more time to dig into this, but I'll remind you of this, okay? The example of Jesus, he had a ministry to the multitudes, like Paul had the ministry to the multitudes, went to the marketplace, whoever just happened to be there. Acts 17, 17. Okay? And what about you? Okay? What is it? School, uh, job, uh, malls, restaurants. I don't know. Just what, what is it? What is your ministry to the multitudes? And what about, excuse me, what about his disciple making? And he pulls 12 alongside himself like Paul did with Timothy, right? And what about you? Where can you do this? Where can, how can you bring somebody a little closer, a little closer in and teach them the word of God? You can, you can have them right there in your life and you can have an expectation like Jesus did with his disciples to go and make more disciples to continue the work. You see this in John 17. I just, I'm going to remind you again. Go back and read John 17. Jesus says in John 17, I finished the work. And then he goes on to describe some things about what he did on earth. And he doesn't mention one miracle, one healing. He doesn't even mention his preaching to the multitudes. But he mentions over 40 times the men whom God had given him. That he poured, he said, I gave him your word, I prayed for him. So use that John 17 as an example for you to follow after Christ and making disciples. Is that, is, Jesus did that, let the very small following, is it effective? Is this kind of ministry to the multitudes and pulling people in and discipling, is that, is that effective? Well, 2,000 years later, we're sitting right now 6,715 miles away from Jerusalem. And we're disciples. Wanting to make more disciples. I think it's effective. Motivation. We'll be here quick. Some of you are saying this to yourself right now. You're saying, I can't do this. Or I've tried to do this and I'm discouraged because I gave my life for somebody and I just don't know. I don't understand. You know, and and you just, you feel discouraged. You can't do this. Okay. Let me give you some motivation here. And by motivation, I mean, I'm going to give you a motive that pushes you on. Okay. And here it is. The command to make disciples in the Great Commission is sandwiched between two staggering statements. I mean, two staggering statements. You do, do not read them fast, please. Don't read them fast. What are the two statements? Verse 18, he says this. Jesus says, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority in heaven, excuse me, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then at the very end, a sandwich between two staggering statements. Verse 20 says this, I am with you always. As you make disciples, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. If you're discouraged, did you hear what that just said? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And he says, I'm with you. He says, I'm with you as you make disciples. Paul experienced this. Paul went out to make disciples. If you read uh, first. Excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 4, I think it's verse 16 and 17. He says that his first defense, Paul says that my first defense, everybody else forsook me. Everybody forsook me. But he says, the Lord stood with me. The Lord stood. That's, that's, that's in relation. He, God, Jesus kept his promise. I'll be with you always. And the Lord stood with him. And it says it, he strengthened him so that the message might be preached fully through him and that all the Gentiles might hear Praise God, you've got that accessible to you. That he who has all authority will be with you. The one who has unlimited power, all authority, says I'll be with you. (coughs) The one who has unlimited jurisdiction over all people and all things says I will come alongside you as you make disciples and I'll be with you. 
That's, that is encouraging. If it's not encouraging, I don't know what else to say. I just got to read it again. This is awesome. <clears throat> the one who is at liberty to do as he pleases, wherever he pleases, whenever he pleases, says, I'll be with you as you make disciples. Be encouraged by that. Step out in faith and obey the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, flip over to the back side. Let's be real quick. Now, some of you might be thinking this. Okay, let me see if I can pick brains here. Some of you might be thinking this. You might be thinking, why is this command? He's, he just, he didn't hardly move out of Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And you might think, why is this command so vastly important? Why have people for so long called it the Great Commission? Why does it get emphasized so much? Why are we not here saying, be hospitable, be hospitable? That's a command. Why is this one so emphasized? Why are we not saying spank your kids over and over again? My wife told me I should have said discipline. I meant to say that. Discipline your kids. But listen, what, why is this one so emphasized? Why? Why is this up there so high? And I want to try to answer that. Let me say it. I do think it's very high, by the way. I think of it almost like a baseball analogy. Like you got a team. and You all have your job. The dude needs to throw strikes. You all need to hit the ball. You pop fly, comes outfield, you need to catch it. You got your job to do. But to make, to make disciples of all nations is like you win the game. So imagine some pitcher throwing strikes and walking off smiling even though they lost. He missed the point. See what I'm saying? Great, I'm saying that that's the way I think of this. So why do you, Ryan, why do you, since you're asking, Ryan, why do you think this way? Why is there so much emphasis on the Great Commission? And I gave you four reasons on your sheet, and I'll say them very quick. Reason number one, it is the emphasis of Resurrection Seminary. <laughs> like putting the world's resurrection seminary. <laughs> if I would have said, if I would have said this is the emphasis of Westminster Seminary, that might carry some weight, but not like resurrection seminary. All right, you might say, uh, or if I said uh, it's the emphasis of Reformed Theological Seminary, you might say, hey, that's great, but it doesn't have the weight of resurrection. So what is resurrection seminary? I'm calling resurrection seminary that forty days. From when Christ rose from the dead, he walked on earth for 40 days and he ascended on high. And what we know that happened during that 40 days, Luke 24 says Jesus opened the scriptures to them. He says he started in Moses, walked all the way through the last prophet, and he expounded to them the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus taught them. Acts, Acts chapter 1 verse 3 says during the 40 days of resurrection seminary, he said what they did is he gave them many commands in Acts 1 3. Many commands. Okay. So you say, don't you want to know what happened during that 40 days? Don't you want to get in on some of that teaching? Wouldn't you want to be sitting there listening to the risen Christ walk through the Bible and give commands? Absolutely you would. I hope you would. Well, the, the taste that we get of that, here's where we see resurrection seminary in the Bible. It's four places. Excuse me, five places. The last chapter of Matthew, Matthew 28. Last chapter of Mark, Mark 16. Last chapter of Luke, Luke 24. Last two chapters of John, John 20 and 21, and the very beginning of Acts, Acts 1, verse 1 through 9. That's where we get a view. That's where we get our light on what happened during that 40 days. Okay? And then, and then what, what happens? What do we get? What's the emphasis over and over again? And just listen to the similarity here. Matthew 28, here's what we get. Make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Luke 24, he says, repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached in my name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. John 20, 21, the, the, he says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And in the story he gives in John 20, 
no, excuse me, 21 is Peter, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, make disciples. You see what I'm saying? This is the emphasis. Acts chapter one. What's the emphasis? What do we know that Jesus said? He said, wait in Jerusalem until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is going to give you power to be my witness in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It's an emphasis here. It's the emphasis of resurrection seminary. It's a very, very important. Very important. Reason number two. It's a major theme throughout the whole Bible. Now, some of you that's heard me teach, I'm like, oh, great. We're going to be here forever. No, I'm not going into it. But trust me, most people think when Matthew 28 came along, it was like God said, man, I'm giving up on Israel. I guess the nations can have it. But that's not true. That's not true. The theme of the Great Commission, make disciples of all the nations, runs from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to the end of Revelation. Okay? You've got Genesis 1, Adam and Eve. Hey, Adam and Eve, you're created in my glory for, and in my image, for my glory and in my image. Do what? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. What about Abraham? Abraham, in your seed, Genesis chapter 12, Abraham, in your seed, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. In other words, Abraham, through you is going to come Jesus, and then all nations is what I have in mind through Jesus. You say, but I read the Old Testament, it's all about one nation, Israel. Yeah, but, but who were the patriarchs of the nation of Israel? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? And what did God say to all three of them? Through you guys is coming Jesus, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. It's always been on God's mind. This, this Matthew 28 has always been the plan of God. It's all through the Psalms. These one nation, nation of Israel, they would sing about it. They would sing stuff like Psalm 46. You will be exalted among the nations. You will be praised in all the earth. It's in the first prophet, Isaiah 45 uh, Isaiah is the first prophet. Isaiah 45 verse 22. He says, look to me and be saved all you ends of the earth. It's, in, it's all over Isaiah. It's in the last prophet, Malachi. Malachi 1.11. He says, uh, my name shall be great among the nations. It's all through here. When you get into the gospels, Simeon understood the Old Testament. He sees Jesus and picks him up and says, my eyes have seen Jesus, your salvation, God, which you prepared before the face of all peoples. He got it. He understood the Old Testament. And then Jesus gives a command, make disciples. And it's all through the letters. And then you get to revelate. You see Acts. It's just the gospel going and spreading. To the end. It's the Great Commission lived out. And you get to Revelation and it gives you a picture in the heaven. It says, Revelation 5, 9, you are worthy to be you are worthy, O Lord, for you were slain and you've redeemed us by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, people, nation. It's all over the Bible. It's, it's massively important, the Great Commission. I didn't make up the term Great Commission. Somebody else did because they saw the same thing that I see. Number three, the fulfillment of this command is a marker for the end of all things. Take up Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. This is massively important. The great living, the fulfillment of the Great Commission is a marker for the end of all things. Massively important. And then last one, God gives us, number four, God gives us the Holy Spirit for this mission. That's in Acts 1-8. Acts 1-8. God gives us the Holy Spirit for this mission. Dustin taught on the main focus of the Holy Spirit is to exalt Jesus. He taught that. And I'm saying, come alongside that. If I had to give you some major reasons, the Holy Spirit's poured out on us 
according to Acts 1 8, some other place in the Bible, for the advancement of the kingdom of God so that we could fulfill the Great Commission. Can you imagine fishermen, tax collectors, hearing the command to make disciples of all the nations? What? He says, just wait in Jerusalem, we'll fill you with my Holy Spirit and do this. The fact that God gives of Himself to fulfill this task makes this task massively important. Massively important. Now, do you understand the responsibility that you have as a disciple and as a disciple maker? Do you, do you understand it? Do you understand the responsibility you have? Do you feel the weight of this charge, make disciples of all the nations? Do you, do you, do you feel it? Do you feel the magnitude of it? Does it grip you? Have you caught this vision? I want to encourage you to, and I want you to pray with me that this church would, that we would grab hold of this. And you need to ask yourself, what will you do about it? Never let your convictions or your stirrings or from the Spirit of God linger and don't do anything about them. Because your heart gets hardened. It's not good. Don't let it linger. <clears throat> okay, last thing on your sheet there. If you got a pen or pencil, you can break it out. What time is it? Okay. Very quickly. Great Commission Review. Great Commission Review. I gave you a ton of space there to write. What is the Great Commission? Just write something down. Whatever, just write something down. Just write down quick. Just write it down. What, write down something. What is the Great Commission? You can go ahead and do that now. Just once you get it, I want you to fill it on your pen, on your pencil. What is the Great Commission? I hope you put something like make disciples or make disciples of all the nations or make disciples of all the nations by being active in this world and preaching the gospel and teaching the Bible and giving your life. I hope it was something like that. Next one. And I want you to think about this one later. How will you obey the Great Commission? How will you do it? I want you to spend time thinking about it. And you're probably going to break out another sheet because I ran out of room. Okay. How will you obey the Great Commission? What does this mean for you? Preparation. I need to get prepared. Preparation. Or I need to think through where the gospel goes forward in my life. I need to think through, what do you teach? What are you teaching about? I need to think through that. And then lastly, disciple makers, where is your confidence? And I encourage you to do it later. Where's your confidence? And don't just put Jesus on there because then that's awesome. I encourage you, stir up your mind. Put Jesus, who has authority of all things, who's King of kings, who's Lord of lords, who rules all the heavens and the earth, who died for you, who's the risen Savior and He's eternal. And just go on and on and on into more paper and write out who your confidence is in. And I encourage you to do that on your own.